is The Experience with Laverne Cusack on ESPN LA 710, where we go beyond the play and focus on athletes, fans, events, and the biggest issues that inspire and shape our lives. Here's the host of The Experience, Laverne Cusack. Black App. You are never alone with Black App on your phone, technology empowered by community. Why? Black and brown Americans are targeted by a broken justice system. Black App will help restore brotherhood, unity, and community among African Americans, Pan-Africans, while addressing the issues of a biased criminal justice system. Black App was born of the desire to prevent the epidemic of violence against black and brown people, prevent kidnapping and racial profiling, identify offenders and expose them to public and professional scrutiny in real time, build and strengthen unity in the African-American community to actively engage with one another when someone is endangered, profiled, or missing. The 24th and Welton Initiative, directed by Max Edwards Company, is an initiative to close the skills gap and meet the demands of the creative economy. Our economy's continued evolution into the digital information age has technically savvy, creative, literate, and committed curators of skilled professional talent for current and future workforce needs. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Wright, co-founder and president of Max Edwards Company and strategic partnership advisor of the Black App, along with Maureen Martin, founder and CEO of Black App. I'm LaFern Cusack. This is 710 ESPN. This is The Experience with Laferne Cusack on ESPN LA 710. Welcome, Brian Wright, who's co-founder and president of Max Edwards Company, LLC, and Strategic Partnerships Advisor for the Black App, and Maureen Martin, founder and CEO of the Black App. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Oh, thank, thank you for you. having us. Maureen, can you tell us about your journey to the Black App? Sure. Um, well, professionally, I'm, I started off my career in Canada. I'm Afro-Canadian. I was born in Cameroon, Central Africa. My, my family emigrated to Canada. My dad was pursuing his, his uh, PhD in genetics. And so uh, my career started in the newsroom at City TV, Much Music. After, after graduating university, I moved to New York City, which where I now call home. And uh, for many years, I was working in public relations and marketing and production. So um, the, the thing that led me to where I am now is just kind of uh, being in, in public relations and being a problem solver and working in business development, just the, the kind of confluence of the pandemic and um, um, also all the, the social justice issues and I spent uh, about four years working uh, with, a, with a social justice kind of alternative to incarceration program in the Bronx called Bronx Connect and seeing um, the plight of, of young of young 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 men of color uh, black and brown men and just you know just really seeing that there's so much potential um, that's just being trapped in, uh, in, in just that school to prison pipeline that really needed to be disrupted. That's mm-hmm. what led me to the Black App. What type of challenges did you see um, working in that organization? 
Um, well, I just saw that there was, you know, um, like I, I compare it to my own childhood in Canada. Um, I have an older brother and our childhood was a lot of fun. We, um, we lived, we lived in a, in, uh, in like a married student's residence because my dad was pursuing his education. But my brother would run off with his friends. They'd ride their bikes. They'd, they would have like adventures and, and there was never a concern that he wouldn't come home. There was never concern that he would get in trouble with the police or anything would happen to him. That just wasn't part of my thought life. And um, mm-hmm. just the fact that he could do all of that, I, I think, and, and growing up feeling with feeling limited, I guess to some, to some extent, feeling like there was no limits to your potential, um, which led to, I would, I'd say it led to where he is today. He's a happily married man with two grown children he owns multiple homes and has a successful business and and is a is a pillar of the community all of that was was um that's not something that I that growing up I thought oh there, it would be an exception for that to happen to him it was very natural that that was the path that he was going because he had leadership abilities he was well liked and respected um and taken care of and he and protected and had a really nice supportive community that helped him become the man that he is you know, my, my parents, of course, shaped his character, but there was a sense that he was part of a, of a community that cared for him and he wasn't concerned about being shot, you know, and mm-hmm. just thinking about all of the young men that I was seeing. And I thought, what if they had the same, the same opportunities to live without that fear on their life? What potential, what could they be curing? What could they be, what problems could they be solving in society? What could they be creating? How could they be? making our world better if that was not this thing hanging over their head, the fear of being um, killed or imprisoned or, or, or beaten up or shot. And, yeah. and Brian, what about you? What was your experience? Well, you know, I, I, I do see, um, you know, the points that Marina, that she's making because, I, you know, I grew up with an early acclimation to law enforcement and, you know, obviously, with the the age um, and the era that we were coming up in, there weren't as many perils as young people are dealing with today. But you know, literally, I knew growing up in the Pasadena, Altadena area of California, that there were possibilities that you could get snatched up by the local sheriff, and they would take you into the hills and you know beat you up and drop you off in different places. And I mean, even if that was just you know, a rumor because I didn't deal with it personally as a, in an elementary school. But I think mm-hmm. the challenge was I knew about that. And so there was an element of feeling unsafe to a certain extent that I think also shapes, um, you know, how people feel comfortably in their communities. And so if you fast forward to now, there are so many overt things happening to uh, specifically black and brown people, uh, specifically younger um, people in this space um, that they are then growing up with this feeling in the back of their heads that they are unsafe. So if there are any kind of remedies or tools or things like that that could impact that, I think that has to be the first thing that's dealt with when any of us are talking about solutions to social justice or racial inequality. Mm-hmm. And with the Black app, Maureen, can you talk about how uh, the genesis of that and 
the overall concept for the Black app? Okay, so um, I, I guess it was it was just after it was in April, just after you know, just before uh, George Floyd and and um, um, Mr. Aubrey's murder murders that I was just kind of I was just my my heart was crying out to God saying why isn't there why isn't there an app that could that can save us that can help us and I and and just as I started thinking about it it's you know it was divine inspiration in terms of what would be needed to protect somebody so um the things that came to mind were ADT um um find my friends and of course um of course, the Amber Alert system. So, because they all kind of combine different different resources. ADT is is um, it, it alerts it, it alerts it lets out a you know a, a big announcement that there's something wrong, which sends help. Amber Alert also notifies, um, blasts out to the community, and then Find My Friends means your it's your tribe basically. So, what Black App is creating backup for you in real time. So if you are in a situation where you feel threatened, um, you activate the app either by voice command or by manually touching it, and it turns on recording um, and, and enables you to capture what's going on and to broadcast it to your your circle of, of influence, your circle of friends who you selected, pre-selected to watch and to monitor and notify them of your of your statuses of your safety statuses, um, and in, and they can they can you can let them know that hey I'm feeling uncomfortable just watch the app and they, they can just monitor and, and they'll note from geo information exactly where you are, um, and they listen to you to see if you need more help if you need less you can shut things down say hey I'm fine everything's cool but if you're in a situation where you feel threatened and you need help you can say I need help. And your friends can be activated to do a couple of things. One is if they're close enough, they can come themselves. If they, if you're in a location as far from them, they can go through their own circle of friends and find their own friends who are closer to you and say, you know, let's say, let's say it's, it's, it's you say, Hey, my friend Laverne is like three blocks from you. She's in a situation where she needs your help. Can you please go right now? So that will let a friend of a friend know. And, and that friend I'm sure will bring somebody. So within a few minutes, um, in, given whatever situation you were in, you're going to have at least a half a dozen people come. And if it's something that requires um, a news team or um, a, an, a local activist, we're also setting up so that we can send out special alerts to them to let them know there's a racial incident going on that they need to pay attention to. Um, through our strategic partners with who are clergy and, and local leaders, they'll also be recipients of these uh, announcements. So they so if it's, a, if it's clergy, they can send lay ministers um, out or they can come themselves and see what's happening and help de-escalate the situation. The goal is to extricate um, the person from the situation so that they won't be abused or, or harmed in any way. Um, if it's a situation where it's police involved, that means that they'll have an accompaniment of at least a half a dozen people, if not more, uh, observing, recording, and and w- walking with them, and making sure your rights are protected. Um, if it's a case where where you where you need to contact the, the local uh, law enforcement, your your backup will will be notified exactly where the police station is and and how to contact them. And what um, I love about what you're mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, what I love about the Black App and what you're saying is is more than 
it, it, there's safety, you know, you want to prevent incidences and, um, decrease traumatic experiences and you're building a foundation of stability is what you're saying. But also there's another component to what I think needs is the healing part of it. Can you talk about that philosophy? Yeah. So, so we, we, um, we view, we view racism as being, uh, being a pandemic, being, being an epidemic. It's a disease, right? And how do you handle a disease? You find the people who are infected and you, and you provide treatment. So, um, let me give an example. So the woman, um, um, Amy Cooper, who had, who's the Central Park situation with the bird, uh, her interaction with the gentleman who was watching, who's, who's bird, watching birds. Um, so she, you know, she got the full court press in terms of, of, um, experiencing what it's like to be labeled a Karen. She lost her job. She had her dog briefly taken away from her. She probably has to leave the city and she, she's probably going to be blackballed from her in, industry. So what, um, Black App would do with our, with our mediators, our therapists, our, our uh, local leaders and peers is that we would actually have, send someone, um, out to encourage her, some, someone who she can relate to, someone who's a peer, um, who has some level of respectability and some, the maturity in this whole area and just invite her to sit down and, and talk. Um, it wouldn't be one of these uncomfortable conversations with someone who does, who she doesn't identify with, with a person who's black or brown, because that would raise her defenses. And we all know, look, we can go to these inclusivity seminars and, and uh, events that our offices tell us that we have to check, we have to go and attend a certain number of hours, you know, so they can be certified. Yes, we have done diversity training and, We've done inclusivity and now we're perfect. No, we know that people walk away and they do it because they, they go to these things because they're, 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 it's mandatory. It's part of their job to do it, but it does not mean that they're going to walk away and be less racist. And with the case of, of a person who went through what Amy Cooper went through, she can, you know, in, in her mind, she can justify, yes, I have a reason now to dislike people who are people of color because they ruined my life. I don't have a job anymore. I don't have my dog. I don't have all these things. So how do we, how do we, how do we treat that? That means having someone who she can relate to who is a peer, like a bigger sister, older brother, that type of a person to sit down with her and, and kind of unpack what's going on internally. Because at the same time, yes, it's, it's horrible to be a victim of, uh, of, of racial, racial prejudice. But it's also probably extremely difficult to be someone who harbors hate to, you know, plan burning crosses or, you know, uh, thinking of hate things that you can do to people who don't look like you. That's really emotionally and mentally exhausting to, to invest that much energy behind hate. So that's why, you know, it's partially why we see it as something that's an illness. Um, a happy person can't, won't spend a majority of their time or any amount of their time figuring out ways to get, to get back or, or, or plan against people who don't look like them. Right. So um, our, our people, our peers, our partners will have one on one sessions where they can sit down with somebody and, and have a uh, have a conversation, unpack what's going on internally that's making them so racist and how they can, you know, become more um, and more inclusive, more open and more receptive to people of color. And I um, that's, that's pretty much yeah. it. Brian, can you address that in regards to having or developing ways of, or ways that you have developed. Uh, I know you, you've done a lot of stuff. You've been on my show before where, you know, 
how how are you to open the eyes of people that don't think their eyes are shut? That's a great question. And I think, you know, Black App gives multiple entry points to that form of healing. So one on the safety side, obviously, is, you know, just the first step in establishing that. But then two, you're right. Um, you know, Maureen said in terms of being able to really help the other person understand uh, that there's support for them. And that mm-hmm. there's obviously something creating this feeling inside of them, which can't be a good thing. And um, if, if there was a way of being able to, you know, allocate resources, and this is where the defund the police, um, I think intent is, you know, minus the message, we're really talking about reallocation of funding so we can ensure that for certain calls, the right resources are identified to have them go and be the first responders. So for some mm-hmm. situations in, in our communities, even though it may be an actual threat, it's not always that armed law enforcement needs to be the one that arrives. You know, it could be a homeless situation, could be a mental illness, and we need social services to be there and, and not be overworked and not responsive, you know, so they need more support. You have um, different mediators and people like that that mm-hmm. are in nonprofit organizations in the community. You know, they, there's programs that we can lean on there. And then obviously from clergy and um, other kind of even, um, you know, government agency standpoint, um, it's really just making sure that we're out to help as the baseline versus at this stage, it's still kind of a competitive zero sum uh, proposition. And I think when you create a, an environment for winners and losers, or, or winners, or, winners or losers, then people walk away resentful. And so if you can mm. quell that by having resources that are there to support all involved, and, you know, again, Black Campus is the ingenious platform to be able to get that done, especially given the times. Right. Maureen, can you talk about the communication part where it's, like you guys were saying, it's just not a, a social safety app. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's really about the stuff that we do offline. And, and, um, I think what's exciting is that, you know, there's all these like wonderful missionary type things that churches can do in terms of going to other countries, galvanizing all of their youth to go do some community service in, in, you know, Bolivia or something like that or Africa. And here's a great chance for, for church communities to get together and heal their own communities and work together and, and, de- and develop, just uh, have dialogues. Um, I, uh, I have, I have friends who, um, I, I, I actually had a really inter- interesting situation with, um, an Asian friend whose, um, whose middle-aged mother, um, is a strong, is a strong, um, supporter of the current administration and was so kind of upset by, uh, the fact that her children didn't, weren't supporting the current administration. And um, so we, there's a difference, there's, a, there's different generations um, in, you know, in, in um, Asian communities who feel differently about the whole issue of, of Black Lives Matter and, and mm-hmm. racism and black, black and brown people. And it's exciting to see, um, to, the, to see them get involved in the conversation and not opt out as being, you know, the favored, you know, immigrant population. 
So mm-hmm. um, having conversation and having information available in terms of how to discuss things, um, how to how to have conversations with peers, and and also kind of uh, breaking through a lot of propaganda because a lot of a lot of th- a lot of emotions are based on information, right? Mm-hmm. If we didn't hear bad things about people, we wouldn't feel badly about them, right? Right, right, right. That brings me to I just watched the. Bruce Lee story, the 30 by 30. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, he was here when, you know, the civil rights protest broke out and he was talking about, well, why, uh, why do police say, well, if black people were more like you Asians, there wouldn't be any problems. And he was like, well, you know, we don't, we need to speak up. We need to use our voices, um, which it came around to. And he, he, Bruce Lee was like, I don't want to play the stereotypical Asian anymore in, in films. I don't want, I, I don't want to perpetuate that propaganda. I don't. Um, and how am I going to do that through my storytelling? And he says that he can tell more stories or he can, he can change more lives through films than if he ever wrote a book or said a quote or did this. And he, he truly did that. And I think that goes back to, you know, storytelling and, and how, how we're seen on film and on TV and, and what we put our energy into. Yeah. And, and also like the whole, the whole thing about, like, I love the fact that, you know, I'm, um, I'm not going to men- mention any streamers and specifically, but they're offering more, more black content. Um, but what that means is there's more chances to see uh, trauma. You may have a very stressful day at work and, and dealing with some, you know, passive aggressive stuff and, and microaggressions. Then you come home and you watch um, something like, 12 years a slave or, you know, or something mm-hmm. five or, you know, and it just kind of reinforces that trauma or you might watch, you know, law and order or something. And again, you know, those, the perpetrator of the robbery or whatever is, is some, some uh, black person labeled a thug. So it's like, you can't get away from this messaging. And, um, I know that when I was growing up, I'm, I'm, you know, I was, um, the things I, 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 I watched, um, they didn't make me feel, Cancer, the, the escapism, what, what there was an offer of, of escapism. And I think we really need other types of stories. We need to hear some positive things, just like the wonderful way people felt so proud about um, Black Panther, you know, something that makes us make black and brown people like who they are and like and, and, and see more of our history and our po- positive co- contributions. You know, we need more things like hidden figures so that we can celebrate our successes. And in celebrating our successes, we change our own energy um, and becoming more positive. And also the people who are peripheral, who are being um, being programmed by the, by, the, by the things that they see, if they see more positive um, images of black and brown people, they can't keep, they can't, keep the, the current misconceptions alive. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian, can you, can you also speak to that? How uh, the black app cultivates a larger platform for black and brown people and storytellers? Yes. I, I think, you know, you know, Maureen brought this, um, this uh, topic up to me the other day and, and we were uh, kind of going back and forth on, 
you know, the uh, responsibility of Hollywood. And I, I think the point that she's making is really critical. You know, so much of uh, learned behavior is repetition. And so as you see it and you model it, you know, technically it becomes your reality. And so mm-hmm. where, you know, so much of um, the images and or um, stories of our lives, you know, uh, you know, they're told through very, very narrow lenses and rarely are, you know, we actively a part of the writing of those stories. So it's all interpretation. And I think if, if there was a way, one, to start to speak to certain solutions that, you know, the communities actually involved in authoring. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the platforms that I see um, that, you know, uh, Marine is building with Black Gap is one, a, a definitely an engagement and communication platform to talk about what safety is. And that way we can actually go create it. Um, the healing part needs to also be shared and, you know, it needs to inspire people that healing is possible. So there needs to be content and co-branding and brand integrations and community organizations that are amplifying that message. And then finally, once we all are kind of on somewhat of a more equal playing field, you know, the level of engagement and just the fact that, you know, we will be sitting in dialogue with one another and working through issues, but all for, you know, the, the sake of actually solving some of these systemic issues, you know, that's the level of parity. That's the level of equality that we're going to need to address social justice. Without that, it's, it's going to be something that has a lot of energy, similar to these protests, but it may not necessarily be lasting. And I think what Black App is creating is more of a lasting platform for communication, education, and engagement that can truly impact things. Right. And one thing being COVID bound and just like you both are saying is that on a daily basis, you're hit with certain things. And I've had the opportunity to take time and reflect and to see just how many false things that are in my head and how, you know, I grew up and, you know, how things that were not necessarily true were passed down to me out of you know, fear or, you know, what, whatever is passed down to my parents and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that just that breaking down of the, the propaganda, breaking down of things that we thought were true that really aren't at all, <laughs> you know? And, and it's really, and it's really not even just for one group to realize that it really, we, we need to have a collective awakening exactly. to that misin- misinformation. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I feel like this time is, this time is so Great, because there are so many young people stepping up now thinking, oh, no, we're not we're not standing for this anymore. You know, I I am an ally or doing what they can. And I think with your black app, you're you're getting everything into one app that is able to educate, is able to, you know, have a great communication and it has all the pieces there that 
can help you grow. Um, what do you think about that, Maureen? Is that one of your ideas behind this? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, um, I, I just think about, you know, having the, having the ability or the freedom to breathe, to, to, yeah, to breathe, to exhale, to, you know, waking up every morning and not having to, to worry about, can I, am I going to survive the day? Am I, you know, are, are these things going to happen? Am I, you know, what horrific piece of news is going to come by my way? Just shutting that down, how, how amazing that will be just for the psyche of, of this country. Um, and just, um, breaking down those walls, like there's nothing more beautiful than friendship. And it's really hard, I think, in, in, in this age to, to be extremely racist because our country's so blended. It's, mm-hmm. you, you know, there, if you're not, if you're not, um, if you're not, if you're, if you don't have a close friend that's a person of color, then if you start looking through your family, I'm sure there's someone who's married into somebody, uh, into a family that is black or brown or, or, or beige. Um, so it, so you're going to, if you go to your family cookouts or barbecues, you're going to see what looks like the United Nations. And if that's how your family looks, then how can you be, you know, biased? How can you be, how can you harbor hate when that's in your family? And, and look, if we want to, if we want to be true, if we really want to look at our, our origins and ancestry, everybody came from Africa. We all, start, the world started off black. So to, to not be connected to your original ancestry is a little insane, you know? So where do you, where do you guys go from here? Maureen? Right. Well, what I think is happening is, and I, you know, I was just giving her credit for this a little bit earlier, but there, I don't think I've seen, at least in my professional uh, career, you know, someone that's been able to garner as much uh, kind of executive leadership support and um, building alliances and partnerships with people so quickly for a business endeavor. So at this time, um, there are, you know, five very strong, um, you know, leaders that are um, willing to come in and support Marine and in, in what she's doing. Uh, we are aligning additional allies and, you know, functional experts um, in their given fields that are willing to come in. So, you know, with that, that's also bringing together um, organizations that see the promise of what she's doing. And so there's a, I mean, she could go into the story a little bit better than me, but um, there's a, a, a sister application called Get Group, um, G-R-O-O-O-P, so three O's and a P. And essentially, they have a similar, um, you know, infrastructure technology-wise as well as also a mission, but there's as much more focus for on-campus, you know, like colleges, universities, where, um, you know, females may feel unsafe walking from dorms or to certain locations, and they can obviously, um, you know, control some of their network and get um, an alert out to them if they feel threatened. Well, this, um, this female founder of that organization found Marine and Black App and said that she was so impressed with what she was doing that they were able to enter into a strategic partnership. And so, Marina, I don't know if you want to explain more about that in detail. That's awesome. 
Um, yeah, you know, um, uh, uh, Nina uh, Barnett, the, the founder of uh, Get Group, she and I both have a, a, a passionate desire to make the world a safer place um, for for well for 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 her for Get Group. It's for for college students and young women because they have specific issues with you know date rape and and just um, just kind of horrible treatment um, and roofiedness, etc. As being part of campus life, and that's a horrible thing to have to to, to want to hang out with your friends, and then you know you not know if you're going to make it home because of some some young man who feels like he has the right to do whatever he wants with your body. Um, and so she reached out to me, and we started talking because um, my desire aligns quite well with hers, and we want to create a safer world for people of color. So. We can live our we can live our best lives and enjoy all of the rights of that are given through the through um, the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's really important that we all have that, and we can we can live safely, exhale, inhale, and go about our businesses and live our our left best lives. Gen Z, uh, that age group, is getting a lot of notoriety. Um, primarily because of their fearlessness, you know, in the face of um, these protests and standing up to law enforcement and, um, you know, the, the racist uh, counter protesters that are that are taking place. And I think, you know, what those young people aren't known for or, or they don't know themselves is safety. Mm hmm. So for them to be so fearless and, right. you know, able to stand up for all of this, you know, that's great. That's going to ensure all of our survival. But to a certain extent, to to ensure that we thrive into this next, you know, digital um, information era, uh, it's really going to be about them feeling comfortable enough to trust, to love, to understand, to engage. And, um, you know, again, similar to what Marie says, like really truly live out um, what the American dream is supposed to be. Yeah. And the other thing I think uh, um, will this will also help um, a lot of transgender people because um, they're coming under attack uh, on a daily basis and being killed every day. Um, this can really Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's um, that's part of our actually our second rollout is um, is 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 that that particular LGBTQ community and and make sure that they have the safeties and protections they need. There's, you know, it's it's horrifying to think of of um of you know um, if you if you look at if you I guess the worst case scenario is someone who who identifies as LGBTQ and, and then is ostracized by their family and they've, and they've you know, they've been on their own. They were maybe thrown out, thrown out of their home when they were teenagers, and they came out. And then for them to feel alone, and then to be treated like they have no community, and then to to be murdered like they have no community, like they don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just it's traumatizing just to think of someone feeling so alone and being so um, marginalized. It's it's just it's 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 un, unconscionable. Um, and, and that really struck my heart. Um, a, a few blocks from where I live, there's a, a mural um, with 23 um, figurines on it, and they represent 23 transgender women, black and transgender women that were that were murdered uh, last year. 
and they're they're definite unrecognized really um but their their lives do matter and they mattered in the in the ideation of this app too and we're going to make sure that that they feel protected and that they can create a community of protection so they can let people know when they are being mistreated that they they have their, they have backup and people yeah. who care and who show up and before i let you go the one thing that we're all talking about is also creating wealth within our community and that that I know we touched on it, but can you um, get into that and how uh, the Black App will be helping or partnering with small businesses to sure. create so, wealth? So, um, so Black App has a, a logo. So it's a gorgeous logo that was that was created by um, Antanji, who's our creative who are who's our creative director. Um, and uh, so the logo is going to be on is going to be on. Um, window decals, bumper stickers. We have these wet wig t-shirts or dry wig t-shirts so that if you're running, people identify that you are indeed a runner and not running from a robbery and um, see that you have the black app. And with our with our own media campaign, people will know that if you see this runner and, and they have the black app and if you bother them, you're being broadcasted, basically, um, which we hope will serve as a deterrent from, from harassment. So all the merchandise related to Black App, we are giving um, those licensing to um, small and medium-sized black and brown-owned companies so they can create the merchandise for us. Um, yeah, it's it's important. Um, you know, when people see when people see green, they don't see black, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we, if you can kind of even the playing field by putting more money in the, in the pockets of, of, uh, people of color, then it should, it should help, um, change perception and also have, being able, being a landowner and, and being, you know, owning your home and being a, a reputable business in the community does, does a lot, does a lot in terms of perceptions as we were speaking of earlier. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you guys really shared a, a great amount of deal. And I'm so glad you created this app. Congratulations. What can we do to help and help push this forward? Well, I'd like to point people to the um, there's an I Fund Women webpage. So if you were to go to ifundwomen.org, I believe, and um, type in black app, B-L-A-Q-A-P-P. Um, you'll see our funding page, our crowd um, sourcing uh, campaign, striving development funds. Um, we just completed the final survey um, on um, audience features, um, just doing kind of our, our last um, push before we go into full out production. And then the app is, is due to launch in the August timeframe. Mm-hmm. And so we just ask for all of you to um, really think about how valuable safety is. And with that, um, join the movement that's being created through Maureen and um, her um, brilliant idea of bringing Black App to fruition. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you can follow us on on Instagram at Black App to keep up uh, with the updates and and to know when the app is live. So you can you can be one of our first downloaders and as we um when we soft launch. Awesome. See how we work. Awesome. <laughs> well, this- Amazing. <laughs> no, seriously, thank, the you, thank guys. you so, so much, much for the platform, and you're always such a great advocate for the community and and people trying to make a change. So you know, kudos to you as well. 
Oh, well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you both. And um, I look forward to uh, downloading the app and for everyone to so we can all be uh, in communication with one another in a positive way. Yes, yes to that. Maureen Martin, founder and CEO of Black App and Brian Wright, co-founder and president of Max Edwards Company and strategic partnership advisor of Black App. All right. Uh, well, uh, thanks. Thanks again. I'm Laferne Cusack. This is 710 ESPN. You've been listening to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, getting the residents of Los Angeles, Orange County, and all of Southern California closer to their community. It's The Experience with Laferne Cusack on ESPN LA 710.